Welcome to the, um, I think we're on the, uh, the fifth episode now, Coach Bobby, of the uh, we're back. Top, of the, uh, top of the Box podcast. Absolutely. Um, things have been going really well, and as you can see, we're all, we're all donning hats. Uh, Bobby and Elise got onto the, uh, the podcast before, and they were wearing their hats, but I trumped them with my uh, Ascension Flight branded hat. Um, Pedro, uh, Elise is still waiting for her one, so <laughs> I'll try and get that sorted for her. Jenny Roberts sorted me out. Thanks, Jenny. Um, yeah, so today, obviously, the subject of the, the podcast is, is going to be about women's soccer and, and what perfect way to, to, to have that podcast with, with our own um, collegiate uh, soccer player, Elise Moore. Um, you know, so for me, obviously, I'll, I'll give yourself an introduction on, on who I am, uh, team-wise, who I'm coaching. Elise and Bobby will do the same, so uh, I'm... Coach Alex, uh, I coached the, the 2003 girls team, um, as well as uh, oversee the, the operations and the, and the programs at the club. Bobby? Yeah, I'm Coach Bobby. Um, this year, I'm, I'm coaching a two under 11 boys teams. In the years past, um, I think every, every year that I've been at the club, I've, I've always had a, a girls team, whether that be at the U9, U10 Academy ages, U11, U12 competitive um, and then I've also had a uh, an older U15, U16 girls team. So um, you're a veteran. I, I'd say I'm pretty well versed in um, in, in how dynamic uh, that 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 realm is for sure. Yes, and I'm Elise Moore. Currently, I'm the vice president of education and training for the club. Um, right now, I'm coaching six uh, U boys soccer and it's my, my son's team so this is my second year coaching boys and I've enjoyed it because previously I've only coached girls so I've coached um, girls at the, the middle school level I've coached at the high school level and I've coached in at the club level um, so I've coached girls from any age from 4U to 18U so I have a wide range of of coaching experience with with girls of all age groups and all abilities. Uh, just just touching on that uh, the high school coaching there. I know uh, Jason Nacken uh, always said that he used to love getting one over on you. Uh, <laughs> he said he always holds that to you now. So so just, just while we're on the uh, the subject, at least of um, you know in terms of coaching, um, let's let's just rewind a little bit further back because where everyone starts uh, originally is is playing right. Um, and obviously the, the, the podcast is, is based on, on women's soccer. So if you can just give us a, you know, a, an overview of obviously where you played, uh, when, where did you end up playing, what was the highest level you played, just so you know, the viewers get a, an idea of you know, who you are um, and a lead into the, into the podcast in, in general. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got a late start playing soccer. I didn't start playing soccer until I was 10. And I started here in Ascension Parish, and um, it was just like a, a little a little rec league. Um, and as the game grew a little bit more here in our area, um, a lot of us who were really interested in soccer started playing out of Baton Rouge. Um, because Ascension Flight, the, the club as we know it now, didn't really exist when, when I was younger. So in order for us to get more games and um, to get more players involved, we had to play out of Baton Rouge. And we all grew up playing rec. 
there really wasn't uh, competitive as, as we know. I think there was one, there was like one team in the Baton Rouge area um, that was, you know, considered competitive at the time. But most people just played rec. So I played rec all the way until I was 15. Mm -hmm. so I started playing competitively until till 15 when I was a freshman in high school. And um, up until then, I was still playing multiple sports. So I was still, um, I started off playing baseball with the boys when I was younger. I did gymnastics. I did basketball. Um, I tried dance for one year. That was not my thing. Mm -hmm. Leave that to Cody Bobby. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't my thing and, either for a couple of years. So um so I played a lot of a lot of different sports. Um and up until high school, I was still playing at least basketball. I was playing softball at the time and soccer. And so my freshman year, I couldn't play basketball and soccer at the same time because those seasons ran together. Mm -hmm. So um I, I obviously I chose soccer because soccer was my favorite. I felt, I fell in love with it. I just loved it. It was always my number one. Great and, decision. Um, yeah. I still played softball my freshman year, but then after that, like I, I just knew soccer was it for me. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to play at the college level, which I did, I needed to go and start playing at a competitive level. So that's when I joined a, at the time they're called premier teams. So I joined a premier team then, and I narrowed it down to one sport when I was 15. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, I joined Baton Rouge soccer club and, um, and there really wasn't a lot of premier competitive teams in Louisiana at the time. Uh, most people were still playing rec. So the girls that were playing premier were, basically just the girls in the state who were looking to play at a higher level and looking to go play college. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, that's how I started playing competitively. And um, I was recruited by a lot of colleges. I could have gone out of state and I thought for sure I was going to go out of state for a long time. I was like, I'm getting, I'm getting out of here. I'm going to play out of state. I want to experience that. But the time came closer and closer. And I was like, mm, you know what? I, I don't know if I want to leave home. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I want to leave my mom. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up, I ended up choosing to uh, walk on at LSU. And um, so I played, I played at LSU for, uh, for one year. And I always knew in the back of my mind that, like soccer was my passion. It was my love, but I always knew I wanted to coach. Yeah. I always had aspirations of coaching and I started coaching really young. I started doing um, summer camps when I was 15 and I think I took like my first team, which was like middle school soccer. I would go and help Jason Nockhan and um, he would just give me the, the middle school girls team. And he said, he was like, here you go. Like I was 16, 17 years old. And he was like, here, That's, this is that sounds like Jason. Yeah, so I give him a lot of credit with guiding my my coaching experience, and, and because he gave a lot of trust in me at a young age, like you can do this. Yeah. Um, so even when I went to play college, I just knew I wanted to coach. I just had that that um, passion that I really wanted to coach soccer, mm -hmm. and so I played one year, and it was I will say this burnout is a real thing because I experienced it um and I, I think I would have played longer had I not been so burnt out but I, when when 
athletes talk about burnout, it's, it's true, it happens. And it happened to me. Um, looking back now, being older and wiser and, and kind of look, you know, going through what, what I experienced, I know that that's what I was experiencing was just burnout yeah. of playing year round and literally having no break whatsoever when I was younger. Mm -hmm. um, and so I ended up uh, playing my one year and then I started coaching immediately. And I, I told my coaches at LSU, that's what I wanted to do. I was, I wanted to coach and they actually invited me to go back and coach their summer camps. Mm -hmm. So um, that's, that's kind of my, my path towards where I am now. Yeah. And do, do you think, um, you know, you going on to play, you know, as you said, in, in, the, in the premier um, teams and playing high school made you want to go and play college a little bit more? Or did you always have in your mind that you wanted to be, you know, playing in, in college? Always had in my mind that I wanted to play in college. Always. Um, I was extremely inspired by the 1999 Women's World Cup team. Mm -hmm. uh, Mia Hamm, Brandy Chastain, like that was just, that, that's a moment I will never forget in my life. It had such a huge impact on me. And um, like Mia Hamm was such an inspiration to me. And she went to North Carolina and all the best women players at the time were going to the University of North Carolina. I was like, I want to go to North Carolina. Yeah. It's like, that's where I want to go. Mm -hmm. um, so I knew at a young age that that's what I wanted to do and I wanted to aspire to. Um, so I just kind of always had that that drive like that's what I'm gonna do yeah and um so I just always knew was was North Carolina one of the uh the outer state teams that you could have gone to uh no it wasn't <laughs> no they helps for you there at least <laughs> yeah no they uh a lot of their team a lot of their team was uh like not like youth national team mm -hmm. yeah yeah and I didn't do ODP when I was younger because um the biggest factor for me not doing ODP was money. Yeah. But my, both of my parents were teachers. Mm -hmm. They had three kids and we all played sports. Yeah. Um, and all three of us went and played college sports. So we were playing sports at a very high level. Um, and so, you know, they, 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 they had paid a lot of money for me to play premier and uh, that was a lot for them to, to do. Yeah, for sure. And, then to add ODP on top of that mm -hmm. um, would have been that would have been really hard. Yeah, and do you think if you if you would have played um, ODP, do you think you would have gone on to still playing college or because I know you you spoke about you know being burnt out and stuff like that. Do you think uh, you know that extra program on top of your high school, on top of your you know uh, your club team and stuff, um, I, I, would have changed that? No. I don't know. Sometimes I wish I would have done ODP, but at the same time, at that time, ODP, when they trained was, was like during that summer was that one month during the summer that we had off. Yeah. It was in, it was in July and that was after regionals. Cause my, my team always, we won, we won state. Mm -hmm. We would go to regionals. Yeah. So we would train twice a day all the way through the month of June. And then we go to regionals at the end of June. And so our one month off was July. That was four weeks. Mm -hmm. But in those four weeks, I still had to go to workouts at the high school for my high school team, you know? Mm -hmm. So I wasn't really off. Um, and then August, here we go. We're starting everything, everything again. So I, I don't know if it would have changed. Um, it probably would have opened up more doors for me. 
for sure. Um, but I can't say. Yeah. So you like, you know, just speaking on the um the, the high school stuff and things like that, you know, you 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 played in, in what high school? Uh Sanimal High. Went to Sanimal. Um and what, what was the uh what was the competition and what was the you know, the sort of the levels like there and you know, do you see any differences of what it's like now and you know, give your sort of point of view on, on what high school uh, soccer was like back back in the day. Don't want to make you yeah. sound old there, but... <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, it's been a long time now. Um, no, high school soccer was a, was a lot of fun. And, um, I mean, I think at the time, there were some really competitive high school teams. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at Sanimal, we had, uh, like, the majority of our, our girls who were starting... Um, who were the starting 11 and then our subs who would come in, most of them grew up playing soccer. Mm-hmm. We're still playing um, some type of rec or club level. Most yeah. of them were. Um, and so in the Baton Rouge metro area, we had some really good competitive high school teams because we were in the same district as St. Joe's and Baton Rouge High. A lot of those girls were playing at a premier level at, at Baton Rouge as well. So um, it was really competitive around here because of the districts that we were in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I see a lot of similarities between the soccer that was happening when I was playing high school and what's still happening now. Yeah. Um, so I, I, it's def- the game has definitely grown. There's more people playing. There's more high schools who have girls soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see a lot of the same similarities. Yeah. So it's not sort of that the the standards got any greater. It's just that the pool of players has just got that that bit bigger. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely say that. I feel like the pool of players is much yeah. much bigger. Um, so I think I think that's that's a good point though. Is like obviously when when you come to think about you know we're, we're talking about women's soccer, girls' soccer, however you want to interpret that word is. You know, we, we want to see growth, not obviously not only in the girls' game, but in the boys' game as well. Um, and obviously from your point of view, you've, you've seen that growth with, you know, player pools getting bigger. You know, as you mentioned now, um, you know, Ascension Gonzalez wasn't about um, in, in the early days of your playing. And you see, see that many different clubs. And I think obviously that's only a positive, um, you know, that those clubs have grown into that. And, and the sport has got a lot, a lot, a lot more popular. Um, which then in turn means more opportunities, right? So you know, you said your only avenue was was rec. Now there's yeah. there's there's an arm's length of programs that you can take part in and and playing as well. Um, and then just on the the high school stuff, um, I know Coach Bobby will be uh, delighted to hear that you uh you play for Sanamon because I know he's a big uh, Gators fan. Um, and Betty always go the uh, the games on a Friday night. She, uh, the yeah, she, uh, she, she, she showed me uh, the true love for a gator. Uh, I, I knew it. Uh, I knew it. But, you know, going back to the points that we made with uh, Jason before, obviously you said that you, you enjoyed coaching um, at a sort of young age when you played. Um, and as you were sort of coming to an end playing for LSU, um, you know, obviously you mentioned that Jason was one of your, you know, your biggest influences with that. Um and you know we sort of pushed you to the the right direction, which you know I'll back that up. I think he he's doing a great job at the moment with um, you know getting Abby Delon involved. Uh, she's one of the the girls who plays with my team, 
um, you know, some responsibilities with that. She's at a young age. But who else did you find influenced you? You know, it could be, you know, a local coach or, um, you know, a professional coach, whoever, uh, to get involved in coaching, especially at such a, such a young age. Yeah, so Jason, definitely. And then another coach of mine really early on was uh, Barry Muntz, and he he's from England. Mm-hmm. And he was really influential in, in getting soccer here in this area, in, in Ascension. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he played a large role in getting the, the sport started and getting interest in it. And um, I just always thought it was so cool that he was from England, and he – not only coached us the game, but he shared so much information about the history of the game. Mm-hmm. And he talked to us about all the teams that were in Europe and about all the different countries and the best players from the different countries and players that we should know about. And yeah. um, he taught us all these moves that were named after the player and why they were named after that player. So he instilled kind of like the history of the game in me when yeah. at the time we didn't have YouTube to go and look up, mm-hmm. you know, different videos um so he was a a really big influence and then also um coach rick gary was another huge influence on on, in terms of coaching and and just being a female um coach in soccer and really pushing me like you can you can do this like you you have the ability and even when he was my coach as a player he really pushed me as a player um, he didn't sugarcoat anything with me. He, he was very honest, but also encouraging all at the same time. Um, because he knew that I, I could, I, I could handle it, but I, he knew that I could go places with it. Yeah. Um, and when I turned into a coach, it became totally different because he took me under his wing and he mm-hmm. taught me so much because he had so much experience and, um, so um, those those three men really influenced my my love of soccer and my my coaching as well. Yeah, well, I'm glad to hear that. Obviously, they had a, a good impact when they were showing you the um, you know demonstrations, learning to hear about the game. And thankfully, we've got we've got YouTube these days as well because I know there's a famous move in uh, in England called the Capewell. Um, it typically uh, involves kicking the ball about 40 yards over the goal. Uh, into the road in the good old T. Joe days. I haven't, I haven't been able to pass that that skill to anybody else. That was some sort of Olympic record. It's all your own. <laughs> but no, um, I think you know when you you spoke about those three people there. Uh, you know they were three three male coaches. Um, was the was the many female coaches around at that time when you were playing and you were getting into coaching, or were you sort of like the you know, the, uh, not the only one, but one of a few. They, there were a few, um, in Baton Rouge, there was two, three, maybe, but they didn't coach my team. So I didn't have them, um, as my coach. So I just saw them from afar. Mm -hmm. Um, but there wasn't a lot of female coaches. Um, it was basically all, all men. And even when we traveled to different tournaments, like very few women coaches, very few. And do you think the, the increase, because obviously now I've seen a lot more, I think I've seen a lot more female coaches over here than I, I did previously back, back home in, um, in Liverpool. Um, you know, do you think, because now if you, if you think about yourself, 
that there's a there's a growing amount of players that have you know stopped playing, retired, whatever you want to call it, and they've gone into that pathway of oh, I want to be a coach. So now naturally, because we mentioned earlier on about the player pools getting bigger, um, there's more girls playing soccer. Do you think that then in turn will increase the amount of coaches, say in 10, 15 years time as well? Yeah, absolutely. I, I have no doubt. I've I've seen a tremendous increase in, in women coaches. And I, I just think that's just going to have so many girls playing soccer now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the women's national team had such a huge impact on soccer in this country and, and really influencing girls and, and showing girls that they can they can play a sport. And what's so cool about soccer, kind of like ba- just like basketball, is that it's the same sport that the men play, you know? Mm-hmm. So like baseball and softball, they're different, but, but soccer and, and basketball, like, you're playing the same sport that the men play. Yeah. And um, I, I just think the more girls that we have playing, the more coaches we're, go- we're going to end up with, especially when I look at, you know, um, coaches my age or even a little younger, more you're seeing more and more females um, females going into into coaching, and I think that's fabulous. Yeah, for sure, and you know that that that's only gonna gonna be a positive, you know, with the game moving forward. And as you say, the the more we can get in, the the better it'll be. Um, and hopefully, the more you know, the more coaches that will come out of that. Um, and I think if they have environments like yourself, where you know you had three, you know, um, role models, um, if you want to look up to, um, you know, where you knew you could lean on them and they pushed it in the right direction. I think, you know, there's a lot more people involved in the game. Hopefully we'll, we'll have a lot more coaches come out of the game that way. So, Bob, I'm just going to sort of direct this question to you, Bobby, uh, just to get you involved. If guys, if, if, you, if you haven't noticed, Bobby is still here. This is probably the quietest he's ever been. Um, just giving other people the limelight. <laughs> if you can't see him on the uh, the actual screen, he's wearing a, a retro uh, Gonzalez 2017 Comp Camp jersey, and uh, his wonderful spectacles. One of the um, best ones we ever had. So you know, at least at least touched on um, you know about the the player pools getting bigger. Not so much the standard changing. Um, so obviously, you know, you've had a, a lot of involvement. Um, with within girls, uh, I know you've had academy groups in the past, and you mentioned that you had, you know, an older girls team. Um, you know, from those maybe two different groups within six, seven years apart. Um, what do you think the the biggest improvements are, um, or are needed for for female soccer players? Um, if you would have asked me this seven years ago, I would have probably said something like. Um, you know they've got to they've got to be more they they've got to play with more more anger more uh, they got to be they got to be more stimulated to get out there just a bit like the men's game because at the time that's all I was familiar with the what I'm probably saying now is the, the the biggest need for improvement on the on the female side of the game is you know me and you Alex have, have spoke about this multiple times over the last few years having coaches who actually understand um female players um having coaches who understand how uh, an 11 12 13 year old girl is different to an 11 12 13 year old boy and then when they get into that adolescent stage 14 through 16 um just how their minds work in 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 different comparisons to boys you know one one um one example i uh, i read the other day i was reading um 
Anson Dorrance's book. And he said, you know, a lot of the things that he learned in the women's game were, were just huge mistakes, huge failures. Um, well, he learned them by huge mistakes, huge failures. Um, and he said, because when he went into the women's game, he just treated everything as a competition. Mm-hmm. It was it was doggy dog world. Um, and what he found out when he was doing that was um, it, it wasn't creating a good team atmosphere. Um, everybody, you know, no, nobody in the group kind of felt like they could, um, none of them really felt like they could show their true potential because they didn't want to step on other people's toes. Um, but then there was a few, you know, like the, the Abby Wambachs of the world who just absolutely got after it, didn't really care about this person or that person. And they were kind of pushed to a side, you know? Um, so, you know, he learned there and then that you've, you've got to make the group of girls feel extremely safe to be able to do that with each other. Whereas boys, they're just going to kick each other and at the end of the game, shake hands, be like, awesome. Hey, you see what you just did to my ankle? You see that big bruise? That was you. Um, high five. Good job. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I probably say the, the biggest thing on the on the women's side of the game is just um, you know make, making sure that we have coaches who allow females to experience the game as females, as opposed to you know pushing them down this path of you know this is soccer, you're yeah. going to learn it the way that I did it, which is mm-hmm. what I was like when I first you know came into sure. it. So yeah, I I definitely say that just 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 having. Having that knowledge, um, understanding, and, and, and I think that that can be a huge part to, to moving them on for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, um, like you mentioned, I know, I know we'd spoken about it in the past, um, you know, about providing, you know, not just female players, but I think the boys do need it too. But um, I think what the boys have um, for themselves, as you mentioned before, is that aggressiveness, that, 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 that maybe natural athleticism but I think um, you know for girls who who aren't like that um, you know for them to be faster in the mind and maybe in the in the body it's just like the way their game is Um, and that's that's no by by no means saying that you know um, girls are are slow it's not Um, I've seen some incredibly uh, fast girls out there but to compare them with um, men like you said is you know is uncomparable because yeah, it's absolutely it's an unfair it's an unfair comparison right yeah uh, because you know it's its own game um so I think I think you're right in what you're saying in terms of you know the players making their own decisions um and and coaches wise is you know the the biggest piece of advice is I'd say is is ask the the players questions you know mm-hmm. um not so much berate them um in terms of say you know, you should have made that pass or go here, go there. I think it's it's a lot more, especially for the the female player of the the, the whole game. Um, when it comes to you know their decisions, why they might make that decision, uh, where they might move to, and so on and so forth. And at least, obviously, you'll be able to touch on that a little bit more when it comes to actually being that player. Um, you know, have, having a male coach, you know, somebody from England as well, which you know, might have helped um, to the, the coaching side and how that can transfer. Um, and, and just touching on another point, Bobby, before I come to you, Elise, is in the past, um, I had, a, I think they were maybe U13, U14 at the time, um, girls team, and I brought Elise in to do a session for me yeah. um, because the area of the game that we wanted to focus on 
one, the player was a little bit more comfortable, and two, at least had that experience and knowledge from playing, from coaching, um, to provide that detail within a comfortable environment. So, you know, if, if you are a male coach working for female players and, and you don't want to touch on a certain area of the game, allow someone else to do it. Absolutely. You know, if you've got a female coach at the club, um, allow somebody else to do it. So, yeah, you know, I at least what, you did that. Yeah, so at least what, what, what types of things do, do you see from, from female players? And, you know, you can touch on, on the past again uh, when it comes to the standards um, of, of what the improvements may be, you know, for at first the individual um, because that only then improves the team, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think, like I said earlier, we, we have so many more girls playing now. So our, our numbers have increased, um, but I don't know if the quality has increased. We, de- we certainly have more players who have a greater um, base foundation of skills. Like there's no doubt we have, uh, that, that has increased. There, there are more players who have great ball control, great passes, um, but the one thing I see lacking is the individual um, creativity within the game. Um, I just don't see too much of it anymore on the girls' side, whereas I used to see those some players who would just, like, try crazy creative stuff and, like, that, like, amazing like so but I think goes back to what Bobby says is creating a safe environment where girls feel like they have that opportunity to explore and they they know that if I mess up it's okay and I think that's big thing on the girl side is 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 telling these females you know what like we're all here to practice and to learn and get better better and and in soccer there's no such such thing as perfection it doesn't exist and we're going to mess up and that's okay. Just learn from those mistakes, try new things. Um, because in my experience and, and, and me, how I am and coaching other females is we always want to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, like we, we want to play perfect. Um, we feel like we have to please everybody. Um, and then a lot of that comes with, with, with age, with wisdom, growing older, and you know what, I don't have to please everyone, I don't have to be perfect at all times, but young girls, that's a hard thing for, for them to, to kind of accept, because our society as a whole just kind of in, puts these parameters on, on, on girls, and like how they should dress, or how they should look, or how, how they should act, and, and we be, we would be kind of foolish if we didn't think about those type of things when it came to them in sports as well. Absolutely. Um, that plays a factor in, in how they think about things. Yeah. Um, and so just like Bobby said, we need to make sure that when we are coaching females, that we're giving them that safe environment that allows them the freedom to be creative and to make mistakes and try new things. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's lacking right now in the female game is just the, the, the X factor and some of the players. Um, it's all the, the qual, the overall quality has, has improved, Yeah. but the top tier players, I just don't see that standard quite as um, improving as much as I think it should where, where we are now. 
And I think, um, you know, just going down to that as well, when you're talking about uh, being creative, um, you know, and if we, if we mention about um, the, you know, the, the collegiate level players, I think, you know, those coaches that may go out and recruit or see it on a camp or whatever it may be, is, you know, they're not, they're not looking for you to be type A player. So what that means is they're not looking for you to be that centre midfielder who every time she gets the ball, she's playing it towards the corner flag, you know, because there's thousands of players out there that do that. And they also might have people in front of you who might be better in certain boxes of the game um, that can also do that. So, you know, by by being able to, to be creative, as you said, and that means, you know, individual skill, you know, um, not being afraid to take risks um, and, you know, the coaches out there allowing them to do that, um, you know, and I think then that comes in and builds into their understanding and, you know, it, it rounds them off a little bit more opposed to, you know, uh, just putting them down one alley um, or one one corridor, should I say. Alley's a, quite a, a British word, Bobby, right? Yeah, um, I don't what you're talking about. <laughs> must be a Liverpool thing. Um put them down one corridor where they can only just do that because it might help them short term. Like that might be great on a seven versus seven, nine versus nine field. Gets to 11 v 11, you know, gets to, as you said, like premier uh, teams, you know, uh, competitive teams, ODP, college. It's, it's a level playing field. So if that's your only, if that's your only, you know, go-to, that go-to is going to get stopped real quick. And then what else yeah. have you got? Absolutely. Um, yeah, absolutely. And and I think too, like, if you look at a lot of collegiate players, a lot of them are playing positions that they didn't play when they were mm-hmm. players. Yep. I know I, I didn't play, I, I grew up playing center mid and forward. When I was in college, I was playing outside back. Yep. You, you, you know, like, and then if you even look at the women's national team, like Kelly O'Hara, I, I played against her in at club level. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Atlanta, Georgia, and we played them at regionals. She was a center forward and she was scoring like five, six goals against, you know, all the teams. <laughs> like it was crazy, but now she plays outside back on the women's mm-hmm. national team. Yeah. And, um, so for, for, for players who want to play at the next level, they have to be able to play multiple positions. Mm-hmm. Have to have a skill set that allows them that creativity to play those multiple positions, and you have to be familiar with it because you never know what opportunity is going to come your way and what a coach might ask you to do. So you just have to be prepared for that, and we have to teach our players that. We have to teach our players to play different positions and and to be creative and and know that like okay well I'm playing outside back right now but that doesn't mean I can't attack Mm -hmm. Um, or I'm playing forward but that doesn't mean I don't get back and help defend you know it's being able to to teach our players the multi facets of the game absolutely and and just on that there I think um you know the the simplest points uh I get across to my girls is look you got the ball you're an attacker you don't have it, you're a defender. And it doesn't matter what area of the field you are placed. So if you're playing a number nine and you're the, the striker, you're the striker when we're in possession of the ball. But when it comes down to defending and the ball's with the opposition back line, you're the first defender. So you can affect that and you can affect 
if they get a you know a breakthrough because you may have not going to put pressure on the ball or block off a passing line. And I think it's really important that players understand that, and like you mentioned, um, getting them to, to to understand that you know on the game in terms of you know being a defender and attacker as as well as different positions. So don't have that sort of fixed mindset. And I, I know Bobby Bobby will touch on on mindset in a second. Is you know don't have that fixed mindset. Is if 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 I have you playing centre defence or centre midfield. And you get pushed to right defence, left defence, or right midfield, left midfield, whatever it may be, is don't go, oh, I don't play that position. Mm-hmm. Well, the question is, is how, how do you know that you don't play that position if you've never played it? Um, and you've never experienced it? Yeah, is it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like moving house. It's like changing jobs, changing schools, graduating, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's different. It's a comfort zone. So if you're comfortable playing centre midfield, guess what? Go and play comfortable with playing right midfield, right defence. And, you know, another point before I pass it on to Bobby is, you know, typically what happens is if you are a striker now, like you've mentioned, you were a midfielder and you mentioned the uh, the US player, um, there's no way forwards. You, you can't go and play in a, a position that favour forward as a striker. Yeah. The only way you've got to go is backwards. Mm-hmm. So... You may be like you mentioned the striker now, but guess what? You could end your career or continue your career in five, six, seven years' time as a centre defender, as a right back, a left back. So, you know, what your position is now might not be that position forever, right? Um, and obviously, Bobby, I know I'll, uh, I'll pass it on to you and, you know, gather your thoughts really um, on, that, on that topic. Yeah, I, I, I think. You know we've got to we, we we've got to start allowing every player to have an X factor. Um, you know whether that be their passing ability, whether that be their their speed, their endurance, um, whether that be they just have a phenomenal shot on them, just got a great eye for goal. Um, I I do think we need to start you know developing that within within every player, and 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 that's what I kind of mean when I when I, when I say. Um, you know, being 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 player focused, being player centered, having a player centered environment where, you know, look, there, there are times where I think I've got some really good ideas on how I want the team to play, um, but at the end of the day, the knowledge needs to be with the players on the field. The knowledge doesn't need to be with the guy on the sideline or the woman on the sideline. Um, so I, I I think you know, especially when it comes to that player that player centered um, you know environment, really allowing um, and really encouraging every single individual to to push forward, um, getting them used to like what you were saying, Alex, getting them used to playing multiple positions and and let them know that you know this is a great life lesson for things that could happen in the future. You might bounce from you know you might you might go to college at LSU, but then in your second year you might get transferred to to Nichols. Um and then in your third year your your family might move so you might want to move with them and they move somewhere in you know in the northeastern states. It's it, it it's how do you handle that um how do you handle that that adversity, that challenge in that moment. And I think if you know if if we're not doing it with girls and boys, um I think we're kind of setting up that individual for failure as well. 
Um, and and I, I see that a lot, you know, as, as, the, as the boys and girls get older and older, obviously, you know, we start to, um, you know, identi identify them in certain areas of the field, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, that, 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 that's fine. They're starting to get into their, you know, little groove where they want to be. But I, I think if we do that at a younger age, um, you know, little Sally playing right back or centre back since the age of nine years old or 10 years old or 11 years old, I, I think we're setting her up for failure, not just in sport, but in life as well. Um, and, and I think that's the, that's the unfortunate part. So no, so you know, just kind of round it up. I, I definitely say, uh, you know, we've got to, we, we we've got to be better at the individual player management side, um, and and really really being able to have a conversation with the player about, you know, what they want to improve in as an individual, yeah. as opposed to, right, hey come here, Elise, um, you know, within my formation, within my structure, this is what I want you to do, which, which is how it's going to be when you get to 19, 20, right? But, mm -hmm. you, you know, you're not going to be able to get to that point unless you've had freedom through your youth. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely allowing every player to create their own X factor, mm -hmm. so to speak. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, I think... Um... You know, when, when you position those those players, um, you know, especially if it's at a younger player, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, it can be boys and girls. As, yeah. You know, um, the even the parents might say, oh, well, little Sally doesn't doesn't play that position. She doesn't know how to play it. I said, well, you're not putting her there to fail. You're putting her there to, to learn, to experience. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's all about mindset. Um, you know, mindset of the player in terms of, you know, don't say I don't play this position or I don't want to play there. Yeah. Guess what? Hey, nod your head, get on with it, go and learn, go go make mistakes, like we've mentioned. Um, because those mistakes, once they're learned at a, at a younger age and you get to 17, 18, 19, 20, they'll be there, but they'll be few and far between Absolutely. with, you know, the, the best of hope, uh, should we say. Um, you know, so I think, you know, individually, I think... It, it's it's not it's not teams um, that go on and, and win things and go and be great. You know those individuals within the team have a massive part to play in that. Um, and it's not about how you get players to fit into your team. It's how you can fit those players. You know, with with your team. You know, yeah, into the group um, and into the make them feel, make each individual part feel feel like a, a larger sum. For sure. Um, you know, and that, and that sort of brings us to the end there. I, I think we've had a, a really good discussion and, um, you know, we've gone through a lot and, and covered a lot of subjects, so I appreciate that. Um, you know, guys, obviously, for the ones that are watching, um, if you've got any, any comments uh, that you want to add uh, in the comment section below. See what I did there, Bobby? Like that? Um, just add them in. Um, you know, Elise and myself, Bobby, we'll get back to you. Got any questions that are directed to us? Um, you know, don't forget to share the video as well. If you are listening on, on the podcast, um, you know, we hope you've enjoyed it. Um, you know, just make sure that you give us a, a like, rate us five stars and, you know, uh, share it with your friends if you enjoyed the, what we, what we spoke about today. So, you know, from me, um, Elise and, and Bobby, thanks very much for joining us.
Yeah, no, it's been it's been great. I'm I'm glad that we've been able to do this. Uh, you know, I've, throughout this uh, this podcast, I've been I've been making some questions of of stuff that I'd like to you know ask ask Elise on the future, and you know maybe bring her on to another podcast because um, for me the, uh, the 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 women's side of the game is is is, is very important. Elise, I don't know whether you know you've what. I don't know if you think you're uh, what you've let yourself in for here. <laughs> it's all right. I'll, I'll, I'm open. So just, just, just call me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Take it easy, guys. Thank you very much, guys. So thanks for everyone for listening. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And if you want to become a guest on the show, please email info at ascensionflight.org and include any topics that you would like to discuss with us.